Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello there, Super Nintendos. What is happening? I am Seth Macy. This is NVC episode 647. Today I am joined by an out of order crew in the studio, Rev Valentine. I'm sitting in the wrong chair. It's very confusing. <laughs> uh, legendary reaction guy, Per Schneider. You're out of order. <laughs> and of course, 
industry legend slash scoops slash nose for news, Cat Bailey. This week you're getting my better half. <laughs> <laughs> I think both halves are better, leading to a good or a great whole. So uh, that's a really yeah. nice compliment. That's good. Cat, you had kind of a big week, I would say. Um, you were a little busy on Monday. Would you care to tell us what what went down with Cat on Monday? Yeah, um, on Monday we broke the news that E3, uh, Nintendo, Sony, and Xbox would not be a formal part of E3. (laughs) (laughs) We'll know that Xbox will at least be in LA. They already confirmed that last week. They're doing a physical showcase of some kind. We don't know what exactly that will entail. But uh, Nintendo was going to have a booth, but they ended up pulling out and Sony... Who even knows with Sony at this point? So I think Sony is just straight up done with E3. So unfortunately, uh, things are not looking great for E3 in a lot of respects, as I wrote in two stories uh, that I ended up doing over on IGN.com. I encourage you to go check them out. But the upshot of it is that pretty much uh, there's really not a lot booked, not a lot ready to go for E3. The show is in very rough shape. And it's at this point, it's starting to look like you're like, what is E3 even going to have? Web yeah. three, Ubisoft that, maybe? Uh, yeah. Armored Core six probably. I, I mean, it'll have Assassin's Creeds. Sure. Um, yeah. Ooh. Not one. It, it, it'll have Mirage. It's a really interesting. Hey, I'm psyched. I'm psyched for the, the Ubisoft's the having trouble um, right now too. You know. So right. Also no, true. and and that I think I think there are definitely economic reasons for the companies to you know consider skipping E3 in some fashion. First of all, all three console makers are of course members of the ESA. They've got leaders on the board of the ESA, right? So they're involved in this. It's a nonprofit that kind of directs uh, that you know handles the problems in the industry uh you know promotion the health you know cares about the health of the industry um but in a year where there are significant headwinds you know in the economy i think companies look at their event schedule and they say where do we need to spend and where do we need to not spend and sometimes e3 does not align with you know the sort of messaging or the rollout of new games that that companies have and like a company like nintendo and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more later like if they only have zelda which comes out before e3 and then maybe they have pikmin later in the year they might go well we don't need to have a physical presence at this big event uh we don't need to be in front of the press there we don't need to be in front of the users there and that's not a you know i i don't think that's a fault of kind of like the e3 or the institution or the concept of a show in in june that it sometimes doesn't align and like for this year the esa is going with read pop right the company behind pax and new york comic con so it's an experienced events group but yeah there's just something it's not it's either not the right year for everybody to come back from the pandemic and exhibit and like really kind of like build these big booths and showcase you know a dozen games it might not be the right year for that or they might be an indicator that the companies are more comfortable now doing their own events and being kind of like more scattered through the year when it fits better into their schedule we'll see I mean, kind of part of the problem, too, is that because it's been out for so long now with the pandemic, it's mm-hmm. it's been sort of a game of like before, before yep. 2019 or whatever, 2020, when E3 was just an event every single year, you didn't, if one company had a light year, like if Nintendo was only going to show up with Breath of the Wild and nothing else, that wasn't going to put a knife in the back of E3. Yep. Everybody else had their stuff. Everyone else was attending. It was fine. But now everyone's been out for so long. It's this big game of chicken to see who is going to carry <laughs> E3 on their back. 
backs and convince everyone else that they also need to buy in and no one wants to be the first one and so everyone's just kind of saying well never mind over and over and over again I just want to go in that big IGN E3 booth. Yeah. Uh, so outside we'll, looking in my entire career. It's now it's yeah. my moment. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we might still have, have a, a, a booth. So, you yeah. know, being in charge of the content budget, we budgeted for a booth build out for E3 and, and thought about what we're going to do there. Obviously, we'll do studio production. We have, a, we have three studios in L.A. So we'll be part of E3 in some fashion for sure. We'll see, you know, uh, if, if they, you know, I'm sure there are companies like think think of you know obviously Bandai Namco and Ubisoft who have games that our audience really cares about and if they are bringing some big guns to the show it could be really interesting still mm. but yeah it is a bummer right like it's like yeah. we all remember the E3s of yesteryear and like the oh, sort yes. of excitement whether you were watching remotely or you were there there was just this you it know this excitement like in the air it yep. was it was like being partially it was like there's this Disneyland that you go to with all these beautiful booths and being able to see games for first time and seeing all the creators walk around and all of that and then there were the press conferences where you got all these big you know one more thing reveals and all of that and so man yep that's uh actually what my column this week is Mm. about for nbc which will be live i think friday morning but it's sort of like looking back at uh some of nintendo's biggest hugest moments and i kind of i argue i don't even argue i state for the record that the best e3 moments are all nintendos Mm, yeah and i think that that is not true but but, (laughs) sorry a lot of the really good ones there's a lot of really good ones all right i'll say this i i think i I phrase it like nintendo has the most of the best e3 moments i think uh i think sony saying basically refuting every single one of xbox one's points line by line in terms of the pricing physical discs and everything Uh, was that was a memorable moment but it wasn't like a magical moment like nintendo had mad it was an astonishing moment it was i agree pretty i agree with cat it was it was it was a moment because it was like the cola wars right it was like something that we (laughs) don't usually see these companies kind of like kind of you know like stabbing each other a little bit like that and usually now you know like the the back and forth between xbox and playstation is a lot more civil but like there was this one year where like playstation brought the knives out man and it was something to behold and it was it was smart and it was well done and it definitely caused some damage right even though xbox had uh, some cool ideas was the handoff of the game as how you shared games was yes Yes. press conference moment yes it was Was they did a a little video it was a video it was a little video that they recorded right um right after it and they were basically like oh let's show how the ps4 can do it 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 did do a lot of damage but but, yeah but is that also uh the your breathtaking was that also e3 yes yeah that was uh well the The cyberpunk thing you're you're breathtaking um No, that was was that was that at the Keeleys? I don't even remember. Oh, maybe anymore. that was yeah, the Keeleys. Yeah. That, that's what... Are with the your breathtaking? Yeah. yeah. No, that was definitely E3. That was E3. It all blends together. Yeah, same. I can't remember. E3 2019. It must have been. It was yeah, cyberpunk. Been, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So, but but to Seth's point, I do I do agree with the magical moments part. For one, Nintendo is such a storied company, has been around for so long that anytime Nintendo gets on stage and says, "And guess what? There's a new installment in this series that we haven't updated." Yeah for 10 years right like you get this oh my god i can't believe it reliving your childhood memories everything comes flooding back in it's like that ratatouille moment in uh, in the uh, <laughs> the mario the, rabbit the reveal 
exactly like that. When Nintendo shows yeah. up. Yeah. But Smash, everyone's invited, right? Like Every the fighter, moment, yeah. all Ever, the characters. Yep. And then for me, my favorite moment always Twilight Princess. The the yeah. trailer review reveal with goosebumps. Conan music and like yes. the, Miyamoto comes out with a sword and all of that. Total were, you were, were you there? Oh, yeah. It was of so, course you were there. Was, oh, that, man. was that the origin that of the it. meme? Yeah, that was uh, that was the origin of the uh, the the crazy meme, of course, the uh, the yep. reaction guys meme with the looking sad and then ah, the happy yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. If I recommend to anyone out there who's listening or watching, if you have not watched, the <laughs> look at Twilight that dude Princess running. Reveal with the crowd noise, like just go and do it because when you can hear everyone kind of think, is this Zelda? Is this is this a Zelda game? And then. When you see Link, the crowd just loses their minds, and it's incredible. Like that right there was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, people are swearing and fanning yeah. themselves, fading, passing out. I, I passed out. Just minds. fainted. I mean, yeah. it's funny to go back to that context at the time because people were so out on Wind Waker and really obsessed with the Space World mm -hmm. 2000 reveal of yep. uh, Legend of Zelda. And they're like, "When are we going to get?" our GameCube Ocarina of Time. When are we going to get Darker Edgier Link? Because that was what we were thinking back in the early 2000s. And we got it. And now people are like, eh, you know, Wind Waker, that's where it's at. Twilight Princess, whatever. Well, there was also a notion of like, is, you know, core gamers were thinking, is the Wii really only for, um, well, obviously, it, no, they, we, 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 got, we got Twilight Princess a little bit before, but, but there was tremendous relief um, with the Wii that it wasn't just going to be little Wii sports, you know, figures without legs and all of that, and to, to get a game that, that looked like that, obviously. A console for children pair is what you're trying to say. No, I mean, it was for, it, my, <laughs> yeah. I, I played Wii sports with my parents, right? Like, it was very, very yeah. mainstream. It was mm -hmm. like... At, at times it felt like something you would pick up like you know one of them golf kits you pick up at a walmart or something right like God. something that like Every everyone can play and i, I i'm not being this i'm not being dismissive there. no i don't it's think like, you are you know, but but there's definitely a hard yeah. and still is a hardcore gamer perception that if something yes. is like cute or colorful and, or has round edges it is for yeah. children and then twilight and princess not for was the real gamers uh, but re yes yeah well, yes. it would be awesome though if like if they revealed a wind waker too i think people would cheer just as hard right like yeah. because oh like time has now been Kind. Yeah, I would be swearing. Loudly. We would all be I, I want to talk more about like our E3 memories, but Reb, last year, yeah. you had a little bit of a scoop that went awry. But you, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you reported on for the 2000, the alleged 2022 E3 that didn't happen? Yeah, it kind of it kind of flew under the radar, and I think maybe helps add some more context to what Kat reported on as to what we might see of E3 in the future. So yeah, I did a little bit of reporting work on this issue last year when I was chasing the story of E3 not happening in 2022. Um, and back while I was working on that, um, kind of one of the things that started to come up is that there's just been a lot of trouble at the ESA, uh, kind of like long term, um, going back even back to like 2019, um, there, there's been, the, the ESA is sort of, there's, there's basically two problems uh, going on within the ESA. And one of them is that 
it is, as Pear said earlier, kind of fundamentally made up of like lawyers and uh, like policymakers and people who are answering the question of should loot boxes have regulation and, you know, trying to do advocacy on behalf of the games industry. Like they're not event planners fundamentally. And within the ESA for several years, there was a very small group of people like, you know, this team that actually did know how to put on a very good E3 and they were very good at it. And then kind of roughly all around the same time, all of those people left for various reasons and they took a lot of institutional knowledge with them. And that was all sort of happening around 2019. And that was also sort of around the same time that there was just kind of a little bit of shakeup internally about what E3 was supposed to be just generally, uh, mm -hmm. like, because again, as you mentioned, like the ESA is made up of a bunch of different companies who are all on the board and they all kind of have to agree on a vision for this event. And 2019 was the year that Sony backed out. Uh, it was also just a couple years after there was some sort of like, or they, they, they decided to open E3 to the public. And my understanding from my reporting is that there was a lot of Disagreement. disagreement like you know not everybody was super happy with that decision and that's that obviously wasn't the only thing people were dis disagreeing upon so it was basically just this perfect storm of not everybody agreeing on what e3 should be sony kind of taking its ball and going home uh and then all the people who are normally very good at planning e3 sort of flying the coop all at once and so 2020 happened and the pandemic hit and like it kind of bought them a little bit of time because you really couldn't do an event like e3 in 2020 but it also caused this sort of problem where they didn't have time to sort of pick up the pieces it, well, they had time but they didn't have a chance to have an event and try to pick up the pieces they didn't have that impetus to do it like the the industry was not forcing them to do e3 and so sort of in the space of that like they don't have that institutional knowledge there anymore they don't have a cohesive idea of what e3 is supposed to be and that that kind of chaos has carried on uh yeah. into now and so i was very optimistic that e3 would eventually come back but kind of after reading your thing uh, earlier this week, Kat, and sort of hearing about what's going on, I, I am less optimistic than I have ever been that we're ever actually going to get something resembling the events that we all used to really love in E3 ever again, because I, I don't know that anybody's ever going to be the first person to say, yeah, I'm committing to this. Mm. We're, we're taking this and, and we're going to do it. So the, yeah. the, the first person will always be Laurent Detoc at Ubisoft, who loves E3. And I think generally Nintendo really likes E3 they too. too. But I like, think Xbox loves E3. You know, everybody wants to Some be fiscally responsible too. And like, you know, yeah. in, in this year, they might not see it as a necessary expense let's hope that maybe more will see it as a necessary thing next year but to your point i actually lived through the era of all the people leaving the esa yeah. because we were on the on the media side the moment they said oh we're, we're not going to do an e3 because of the pandemic we reached out and we said let's do a digital event ig can ig can produce it we sent them pitches after pitches and like they were incredibly unresponsive and it was the people in charge of the event side left. And then, you know, it's, you finally had a breakthrough. We had a meeting, we had a call with the E3 folks. And then a week later, the person in charge of that left. And like it, it yep. kept on just going yep. to the point where we said, screw it, we're just going to do this IGN event we call Summer of Gaming, right? It's a digital event. We'll pull together some publishers and we'll we'll wrap um, some of the events from others into it. And we ran that. And then the next day, next year, we tried again. And it's again, like people leaving, new yep. crew. It was it, it, it was very frustrating for us because we, we really wanted to support E3 and we really wanted to be part of it. And like, it, it just didn't work out. But I'll say the, the positive note is that 
to the point of people in charge of the events business leaving, they did go to Readpop, right? And Readpop is probably the most experienced company outside of game slash turn messing with Gamescom. Mm. They're the most experienced company. They put on so many events. I mean, I, I don't even know how many PAXs there are anymore, right? But it's so... Every town has its own PAX. From an event planning perspective, they will nail it, but they're probably not the right people to pull together rally the industry no, and convince, they can't. convince folks in Japan as well to spend the dollars to be part of this event where, yeah. you know, like Gamescom, I think, are lucky in that Euro, they deal with the Euro, European market first and formally and it fits a little bit better into plans. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I just I, think the longer it, this goes on, the mm -hmm. less likely it is. I agree with you. That, because, because people have figured out they can, they can get yep. through a year without it. They don't need it. Ooh. I mean, there is the, a lot of other events got canceled too. Remember, you know, Nintendo used to do Space World. Uh, Microsoft oh, sure. used to do, you know, Xbox events. Sony Gamescom's did events, great. like a lot of that stuff, you know, uh, has, has disappeared because it, it was expensive and the pandemic derailed all of that stuff. I got to think they, you know, like ga gamers do want to see games firsthand. I think with streaming, it is now easier to mm -hmm. do that sort of stuff. It's digitally but it's, it's not, not the same. same it's not the same i think e3's yeah. dead yeah <laughs> I'm a cat. oh no it's over cats called it i cat. sorry folks i'm of death called everything i hear about it just says that the esa doesn't really know how to put this on from behind the scenes wow. and there's no agreement on what this is actually going to look like yep <laughs> and but. not only that but a lot of companies just they get let go of their events teams apparently during oh. the pandemic, which is another problem. So a little short-sighted, but that's okay. We I just guess. we just don't under we just don't have the expertise or and the environment is so different now. People are companies have realized that they can put on digital showcases and command a ton of attention. Yeah. Yep. And they're just not willing to invest in these million dollar booths for E3 right now. And so there are a lot of questions going into this and from everything that it sounds like, ReadPop was not doing a great job of providing answers. And mm -hmm. now companies are drifting away. And then beyond that, you know, I, I, talking about the Nintendo piece of all of this, mm -hmm. I think that uh, VGC originally reported that one of the re big reasons that Nintendo, who is apparently a fairly enthusiastic supporter of E3 going into this, uh, just said, well, we don't have enough coming out or... Shall, or, or at least the release schedule as it is right now does not align with investing yeah. in event space at E3. I think that's, I, and everything you say is true. And I, you did say right now, and I think that's the important thing to remember here is like, yeah, a lot of companies downsized during the pandemic to cut costs, you know, as, as people were maybe buying fewer products. Obviously the games industry was a little bit more fortified there, but it's hitting those headwinds now. Um, and so, yeah, if events teams got reduced everywhere. There are fewer people working on that sort of stuff. But that is right now, right? Like I've been, I've been around long enough to live through an era where people weren't into comic books and Marvel was almost out of business and fewer people were going to Disneyland and like there yeah. things come and go in waves. And like, I got to think somebody smart can figure out how to create a, an event for gamers that everybody wants to go to and whether that's in la or not i don't know i mean like i would have never yeah. predicted that three hundred thousand people would go to cologne my hometown which is home to a million people which means like three hundred thousand people adding to this to yeah. this town of a million um 
I could have never predicted that. And I got to think that maybe there's an entrepreneurial town like, a, you know, in Austin, Texas or, you know, another Ooh. another place that has experience with big events and that can yeah. that can figure something like this out and, and partner with the ESA. But do you think the, the Keeleys can replace E3? I don't think Jeff wants to go that big, right? No. Like, uh, you know, and Jeff, Jeff obviously is doing his little bit of counter-programming uh, to E3. They, they really ticked him off at one point, um, you know, right, r like a week before E3. So there'll be some content there. But all that means is, as somebody who is into games, a fan of gaming, yes, maybe the physical event will not be as spectacular. There will be a physical event and there will be games there, obviously. But I do think the digital side of things could be really exciting. Jeff will do stuff. IGN will do stuff. You know, E3 will do streams and we'll carry that. There'll be press conferences that might not be branded E3, uh, but are still in that same time frame. Did Nintendo so. even do a Nintendo Direct last June? I don't think they did. I don't remember. I remember mm, it being pushed and it, did, it was yeah. really surprising, actually. I... I don't think Nintendo is going to be the big player this year when it comes they to They did not, and games. I remember well, that specifically because I was going to come to L.A. to mm -hmm. film yeah. a lot. We were waiting for one, and it just didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, It just well, didn't happen. So I have two thoughts on this. I mean, one, I think that uh, Nintendo certainly can say we do not think our release schedule aligns. That doesn't mean they have no games. Right, uh, I don't know where no that's coming from, but... Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think... They have nothing to showcase. They have, they have Zelda, right? But it, that'll be out. Like, obviously, they'll have a good year with a Zelda game I think Nintendo's out. definition of we don't have enough to warrant spending this much money on having a booth... Mm -hmm. does, you know, like people, I don't think people should be worried that this means Nintendo's going to have no games this year. I have seen kind of that discussion around the VGC article. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing yeah. is, I actually... I. I hate this. I, I wish we had yep. E3, not just because I think Same. E3 is fun, uh, but because this season sucks without a central point for it all to focus yes. on. Back when we used to, because I was not writing for IGN at the time, but I did cover E3 at other outlets, and E3 was, you know, a little longer than a few days. It kind of lasted, it was, it was like roughly a two-week period. The first week was a bunch of leaks, uh, you know, from like Walmart Canada <laughs> yep. or whatever it was. And then the second week was, you know, the, the weekend, long weekend of press conferences, and then the actual show floor stuff and so if you were a games person you had i guess this is like a little inside baseball but you basically had two weeks that you set aside in your calendar that you were going to be working a lot yep. and it's going to be very focused and you knock it out and then you're done everybody's announced everything they have and you can kind of breathe for the rest of the summer now that everyone's doing digital showcases non-stop for six months it's stressful ends. you never know when they're going to happen you never know what's going to get announced at them or whether it's worth paying attention to and i I'm just sad about this because this sucks. And it doesn't feel the yeah. same. Like, I love, no. I love no. digital no. showcases, but when it's in this week, it's just kind of, there's just a nice cadence to it where you go, oh my God, Sony is still to come and Nintendo is still to come, right? Like, it's yeah. it's always a wonderful time. E3? And we used to have, we used to have yes. Microsoft and Bethesda doing separate ones, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, Microsoft bought every company, so EA, there's only we one. We all dunk on the EA press conference. Yeah. God help us. I feel like the Game Awards are now the focal point because that's when all the big trailers hit that's when everybody yeah. kind of comes together there's actually an event that we go to it's the only thing i can think of on the actual calendar that hits even half as hard as e3 at this point online in in person obviously gamescom attracts just so many mm. people it's yeah. ridiculous I, right 
I'm, I, I speak of this from a very American-centric yeah. perspective. Um, I think that because it's in that particular time zone, in that particular part of the release calendar, there's already a lot of stuff that has been released, and Gamescom is much more about, like, okay, one final push mm-hmm. for holiday stuff before it all comes it's out. It's never the announcement show. Yeah, right? it's a great yeah. festival in like, person, but it doesn't showcase, have quite yeah. the, yeah. like, news impact. There's, in June and July, you usually had E3 and Comic-Con. Comic-Con is when we see all the the Marvel and DC slate and the new Star Wars and all of that stuff. And in June, we'd get the announcements for some major Christmas games, but usually games, yep. you know, a couple years out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like Metroid, remember that trailer? Oh, man. The trailer? One the, it's one of the best the, the logo? E3 trailers <laughs> moments of all time. But yeah, the logo. Top top five logo reveals oh my God. in E3 history. Look look for that column for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, Kat, I agree with you. I think, uh, I don't want to say it out loud because then it'll come true. But I think E3, I, I think E3 is dead. However, I think that physical big celebrations like this like there will be a future anal- uh, analog to e3 and i only say that based on like completely anecdotal evidence but i've noticed that because my kids grew up in a digital world going to a store is novel to them my 19 <laughs> year old was like saying he's like man i hope malls come back that, that just seems so cool just walk around <laughs> wow. and malls are retro yeah. hell yeah wow yeah and uh like mm-hmm. well barnes and noble has uh seen a recovery it's actually uh its sales is going are going up they've opened new barnes and nobles locations bookstores like, are back baby people love independent back, books, so. bookstores mm-hmm. to us you know like the digital stuff it started out almost as a novelty because we all were so used to how many e3s did you have you been into Tw- in your 22 98 was my first one that was the second year it was in atlanta and then after that year, because it was such a S show, it went back to LA the next year. <laughs> that was the the Atlanta second Atlanta one is the infamous one where a construction crew by accident cut the uh, all the electrical wiring outside of the hall, and everything <laughs> oh went down. That's amazing. For like the inter- internet went down for an entire day, and like a lot of the games just didn't function because it was the year of the online game and the MMO. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. amazing! Mm-hmm. I love it. It was a sign of things to come. That's we funny. had to. Uh, none of our internet connections worked, so we would play a bunch of games and then take a taxi back to the hotels, which still had internet, and write there and upload there. My secret favorite E3 was 2011, which was the second to last Nintendo press uh, E3. That was the year that they revealed the Wii U. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of excitement around that, but it was also Zelda's uh, 25th anniversary that year, I believe. And they were showing Skyward Sword and doing the big blowout for that. And they had a full symphony orchestra at their press conference, and they played basically a Zelda suite uh, over you know a montage of various great zelda moments and you know i got goosebumps watching that if you look great. back the early years of e3 th- that was when the industry was discovering itself and going like oh yeah we could be bigger than hollywood and obviously yeah. it is much bigger than hollywood now um and so the guest list was insane i mean we saw david bowie at e3 you know he played the who was there the <laughs> remaining oh, yeah, beatles right. were there didn't they get the beatles huh? the, didn't yeah. they get a beatle they had the they had a no beatle. they had three thousand right? and, and yoko yep. was 
was there too. <laughs> of course, um, she was. <laughs> but but it was yeah. They the the set list like you know you can Google all the acts that were at E three. There were just ginormous um, stars and players there. And then obviously EA would always bring the biggest athletes on mm. stage. You know, yeah. from Muhammad Ali to to God knows whom. Like so, I, I, I don't they, know football, but 40, all your favorite Madden people. They'd spend forty five minutes mm -hmm. interviewing like Pele or something, and yeah. Yeah. I would be like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Tiger, and everybody would be like, Tiger what Woods are you doing, there. EA? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I missed out. I only got to go to two E3s, 2017 yeah, and 2018, the first two but that they were open to a great well, then 2017 was a good one. They the were both very good, and I, I went to them because I was still like a fairly mm -hmm. new freelancer, and I, I paid my own way to go to both of them uh, to, wow. to pick up stories uh, to cover for other sites, and it's... E3 2017, you know? the, my experience there is what convinced me that I wanted to do this as a career, so I... That's I, th I thought in 2019 I didn't get to go because uh, we sent someone else that year uh, when I was at GI Biz and I, I just like I assumed, oh, it's OK. There will be plenty more. Yeah. I, I don't mind missing this year. Nope. Well, think yeah, no, your thoughts. Maybe we will get more. I, I yeah. am not no. optimistic. By the way, we're, I think we're, you bring up a, an interesting point because that's something that's like it's, obviously it's a tiny, tiny percent. But like a lot of people who write in gaming now or even work in gaming have that experience like. I know somebody who was a freelancer in like 2007 and he was in a hotel room at the fig with shared with five other people like mm -hmm. completely off the record and like mm -hmm. housekeeping was banging on the door telling them like why is there uh someone sleeping in the tub this is a rented <laughs> to one person you know and like just writing stories all night long and just having a great time and making yeah. and networking and meeting people and making yeah have a great time like, <laughs> i watched the nintendo direct i think the one in 2018 crammed in a tiny airbnb with two other writers like sitting in the living mm. room on this terrible internet uh, yeah, my first... I, I think that was the was that everything is everyone is here was that that year yep yeah, yeah i a, i think we we're losing our it. minds over all the smash characters mm. yeah everybody that was my first E3 and only. Oh, my first Seth, yeah. IGN always, we always drove down. Like a lot of our editors would pile into cars and drive to um, to LA from San Past Francisco. And like we, we even like, uh, I think <laughs> we, we rented some buses, like VW buses one year and stuff like that. Like and hippie then, buses or? Uh... Yeah, total hippie <laughs> bus. Uh, or, you know, rented a, an SUV that could fit more people. And so they like still videos floating around from like the, the road trips. And it, it was really fun. You know, it kind of it created definitely you know a tighter connection between the editorial team members. Um, we like I, I think people crashed on on uh, in in my house. Like we had people stay over because we just didn't have the money to pay for that many people, and everybody wanted to go. So, I mean, lots of fond memories. And then we just saw the the footage of uh, Mr. Iwata giving uh, uh, you know mm. being on stage and, and presenting. The other thing that I lament that goes away when these events aren't happening the way they used to is that this is how spokespeople were born, right? Like without yeah. Reggie being on oh, stage. Oh, Reggie, 2004, yeah. But I don't think we would have discovered Reggie as a personality in the same way with, with Mr. No. Iwata. Like they yeah. were invited first to speak about company financials and, and introduce new products. And they used to earnings E3. And then, yeah. yeah, they used to oh do these God. earnings things. Like Sony did an earnings uh, presentation where they, everything was like slide. It was a slideshow with little big planet characters and oh. stuff. Stuff, yeah, you know? uh, in, for in writing my column, I just went and I watched a lot of the yeah. press conferences. And you know, I said that 2014 is probably the coolest one because it had that Twilight Princess reveal. But if you go and watch the whole thing, yeah, eighty percent of it is bar graphs, oh yeah, pie charts, <laughs> but, and yeah. talking about what today's gamer because it's supposed to be their... a press conference, right? Yeah. Exactly. I actually I like that, but within that, it was for investors also, right? And yes. and 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 for the uh, big retailers and. 
But what happened then is that people who are talking about financials who were interesting and figured out clever ways to do that, they kind of became company spokespeople, even if they weren't in the highest leadership position like uh, Mr. Iwata or Reggie. And so I lament that, that some of that has gone away too with the move to directs and things yeah. where, you know, uh, you, you don't get that sort of variety and like... You know, there are lots of memorable moments like the Connect presentation and and, yeah. and Kudo the Tsunoda Muppets. trying to uh, sell this thing that wasn't quite working. And like, you know, like sometimes you remember things for the bad moments too, like the all of the Konami press conferences, mm. for example. Oh my God. <laughs> my Brad, first... Do you have any specific uh, memories that you, you'd like to share on E3 as an industry legend? My first E3 was 2009. I was talking to them about it, uh, Connect and the move for a reveal for the first time. Uh -huh. And I was covering it for oneup.com. And I was Rip. crashing in, on a cot in a hotel room with uh, two, other, two other journalists. And I covered the show, had a great time. And then afterward, I, everybody was leaving. And my flight didn't leave until the next day. So instead of just checking into a very cheap hotel... Like a normal person, I was a freelancer <laughs> with very little money, so I slept in the LAX terminal mm. on the floor. And Oof. let me tell you, that was the worst night of my life. Never do uh, that. No, no, I don't recommend that. It was very cold. <clears throat> the lights on, were on all night. I was just starving, and the janitors uh, were working until like 3 in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, my nice. recommendation, my E3 recommendation is don't sleep in LAX. <laughs> That's good advice. That's a good one. Good evergreen advice. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there if you want to get the best discount off your nord vpn plan go to nordvpn.com slash nintendo vc that's 
nordvpn.com slash nintendo vc victor charlie uh that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan there is no risk with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee that's nice of them and i appreciate that hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am thrilled to invite you to rachel uncensored my podcast where i get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Well, oh, man, I'm I'm super sad that yeah. E3's. I mean, it's not canceled. Stop canceling it. It's over. It's just it <laughs> no. sort of had the you know the, the wind has been taken out of my sleep. Yeah. I was really excited. I haven't been you know like I said I've only been to that one time and it was it was like magical. It's uh, something I dreamed yeah. of my entire life. Like I was I'm very I was 40 years old five years ago. So I was it took me 40 damn years to get to E3 and I went and it was everything that I like hoped it would be. I almost ran into Andrew WK. Um, I ruined his his take because I swore very loudly. How did you do it again? I almost like reached out and, and plucked one of Mr. Miyamoto's hair. Um, I wouldn't I recommend really doing that. Wink. Yes, I did. I keep it in a in a locket around my neck <laughs> all the time now. But no, that's not true. So yeah, I'm I'm super sad. And a lot of our question block questions, I think we actually answered because they were like, "What? Actually, no. What is your? Uh, let's hear some more about like your favorite." E3 memories because that is like a really a, a common question that people were asking in the question block. Like, what is your personal favorite E3 memory? And pair, I don't know if I should start with you because you have I, to go like through the paradox in your head. No, no, but I I already gave you the Twilight Princess reveal, and that that is definitely my all time time favorite moment, and not just because it created that it, that horrible meme that keeps following what, me and, and what's my What's the my Japanese name for it? I, Gaijin Yonkoma. The yeah. four panel foreigners. Four um, panel yeah, yeah. foreigners. So it's like a picture of something, then the reaction sad, a picture of something, the reaction excited. And the excited reaction, of course, we staged because we had seen the Twilight Princess reveal trailer before it was shown on stage. Somebody at Nintendo showed it to us. And so then we staged this fake excitement photo, whereas the the previous photo was from the year before, and it was a genuine reaction of ambivalence to Nintendo showing us stuff like Pac-Man versus. Um, <laughs> right. So that no, but that 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 moment is so great, and like, honestly, goosebumps just, just being there. Somebody who works at knowyourmeme.com has to go and change that whole section now to be like, actually, this. No, this no, no. Like I've, I've told this story many times. People always ask about it. And by the way, it is like people don't realize that the meme is is much better known in Japan to the point where whenever I visit, I'll see it in how. Juku on a freaking t-shirt on a wall <laughs> i have photos of like sale and it's us going excited and like i'm like pointing at it and, and somebody goes oh <laughs> i went to my wife's japanese company picnic and they figured it out too and they're like oh you're in that meme anyway so it's 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 ridiculous but the other moment i really liked was um when nintendo went crazy on signing up partners and that was in the gamecube era that gave us you know f-zero from sega's incredibly uh talented amusement vision division and all of that f-zero gx and ax but also the big lineup of Capcom games. That was the reveal of Resident Evil 4. And that was 
that whole thing, the you know, Capcom going all in on GameCube was such a freaking amazing moment. Like it we just yeah. didn't expect this tie this this team up and it was at a time where everybody's making fun of the purple lunchbox and it's a game console for kids and all that and here they come and they show resident evil and they show yeah. you know pno3 games like that from mikami and we beautiful joe it, it was just so cool to see this sort of like partnership uh, between these two japanese companies and and how they rolled that out yeah awesome. the last good e3 in my mind was 2018 mm-hmm. that was the last time that sony was actually there and i remember they created this absolutely ridiculous setup where initially they had the press in a tent all together. Oh my and God, yes. It was a mixer and you were drinking. And then they ushered you into this barn and it was standing room only. I thought I was going to faint. I was like, is this going to be the entire show? Because I cannot do this. I have to sit down. And that was where they showed a new Last of Us Part Two trailer, because mm. at the time Last of Us Part Two was like coming out and everything. It was it was a kiss. I loved it. It was very nice. <laughs> and then they kept ushering us down this whole line, and now we're in a Japanese Zen garden and everything. And they usher us into this uh, auditorium, and somebody does a big uh, performance with the Japanese traditional flute. Thank God I'm able to sit down at this point. And that's when they showed uh, the first trailer for Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. So, and thank God that's when they were like, okay, but also this is where we're going to show the rest of the Sony uh, press conference. And then they had a pretty good party after that. And they were showing Spider-Man that year too. It was a great oh, yeah, year for Sony. Right. As Holy someone cow. who was also at yeah. that event and who was five foot three, it sucked. <laughs> uh, everyone was, was like cheering uh, when the kiss happened in the barn. I couldn't see anything. Oh, I had no, no idea what people were cheering back. about until my, my fellow editor who was standing next to me, who's a little bit taller, explained it to me. And I'm oh, like, no. oh yeah. <laughs> 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 like several terrible. seconds too late. No, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, E3 was just such a wonderful event. Obviously, you know, looking back at 20 years of it, there's so many cool memories. It's the first yeah. time I played a VR game, right? Like Eve, I oh, played that yeah. at E3 and I was just, my mind was blown. It was almost like that Mario 64 moment of seeing Mario move for the first time in polygonal yep. graphics and all of that. And yeah. so it, it's just, you know, something else will take its place if we don't get that same thing, same thing again. But yeah, but it's, it won't be the same. It's, it's not. It's always great. Cachet. Yeah, it's always great to go out and and kind of like see this sort of intersection between digital games and like something in the real world. And Nintendo's been yeah. so great with its booths. Um, yes, you know, like they're building like a, a little Zelda Wonderland in their booth. All of that stuff. I hope if they don't go back to E3 in the future, and they obviously might. I hope that survives somewhere outside of Universal Studios, of course. Remember 2007-2008 pair, uh, E3 temporarily relocated to what? Santa Barbara? Santa Monica. Santa Monica, and it was much smaller, and everybody was calling E3 dead. They hated it. Then, and... It left everybody hated it, and it left a huge hole in the summer event schedule at the time because we had no Nintendo Directs or anything like that. It became an event, basically a little bit more like a South by Southwest or something. It was you know more scattered, and like the companies would be in different hotels. Like it was just a logistical nightmare because if you know anything about LA traffic. Santa Monica has plenty of it and like just getting from one place to the next was just almost impossible. Lots of missed appointments and like just a general mess. 
But Hurt you know, feelings. it was kind of like I, in hindsight, I kind of like that idea of something a little bit more casual. It took some of the bombast out of E3. Like I remember a year where like Konami would shoot fire from its booth into the sky yeah. and fireballs coming dangerous. out of its Metal Gear booth, and like we don't quite need that. And all the booth babe stuff before that oh, too. Like all of that died with Santa Monica, thankfully, and we we've got something a little bit more mature in the right way. Yeah, I'm. I'm very sad. E3 is not going to happen this year, and we're we're all. It'll happen. Forward. Something. Will. The event. Well, exists. you know, it's, I for one am looking for. That. It's not. They, they can't. We, so yeah. It'll be E3. It'll just be Web E3. There's gonna be an E3. Yeah. They. Oh. I assume. I can't. I don't know how this works, but I assume they have paid a big pile of money to reserve the LA Convention Center. 100%. They can't not show yeah. up. Uh, okay. My well, guess. Yes. They can. They'll just take 100% penalty. I what. I mean, honestly, Ooh. my very cynical belief is that like half the halls are going to be filled with like blockchain games. Yeah, because uh, they have people to fill who are it with spend Money to be there. There's there. oh. there um, some. There's some big third. Don't forget about some big third parties, and hopefully they're ready to I show know. something. No, but like we will be in June. We will be in LA. We'll <laughs> say that so Assassin's Creed looks there, pretty good. There will be the Xbox showcase the weekend before. Right, that, that's the thing. There w- there will still be digital showcases roughly around that time because we haven't quite. We haven't gotten I away from. Love- the idea that mm-hmm. all those digital showcases need to be roughly like corralled in the general vicinity of early June. Uh, yes. And I also think that probably quite a few companies were sort of bracing themselves for doing that this year anyway. Uh, that said, I wouldn't be surprised if several delay or scatter or push them around in such a way where it's not all condensed. There'll be some week. companies like Grafton that might become a bigger story because they'll be at E3 yeah. and they'll showcase some cool looking games, right? Like she's crafting. But it's you know not what? Nintendo pair. It sounds like I will Ubi- say. It sounds like Ubisoft and Bandai Namco are the ones that have the most yeah. to show. Yeah, at this point, yeah, I think so, so they're the ones who are the most eager and anxious, I think, to have some kind of presence. Don't forget, Konami's coming back in a big way. And There'll honestly, be Xbox halls of pachinko machines. Yay. And honestly, Xbox uh, Xbox has a lot of reasons to want to have a presence as well because they're trying to recover from 2022. And they're just not be like, on the no, show we've floor. got games. So. They'll have something. This won't be on the E3 show floor. But doesn't isn't Microsoft yeah. trying to tell everybody they're a very small company and buying Activision doesn't change anything <laughs> in the dynamics so they don't actually make games? The humble Sony's doing that too. They're trying to yeah. say, actually, we're a very small company yeah. and if Xbox buys Activision Blizzard, uh, we will die. I know. We will, I mean, sim- we will simply disappear. <laughs> Maybe that's influencing dust. the decision to not have a giant booth too. Another, <laughs> another factor, everything is coming out in June everything mm. it's crazy right. i mean we've got uh, jedi we've got you know of the zelda all of that still will be out and that's very unusual right like in past years we'd get a big resident evil release in january or like a big nintendo release in march but like it's kind of shifted to like may june which is is it's really all first bad half for of the year now it's because yeah. everything keeps yeah. getting delayed and so everything just keeps yep. getting shuffled so seth don't wrap up yes, saying yes. that was the last e3 that was the last e3 <laughs> that we'll ever have in, in 2019 i hope you were lucky enough to have been there because it'll never happen again well something's happening and i actually as we were talking, I remembered, oh, you know what? PAX East last year was the first PAX East, and they had a diminished um, you know, number of, of people that are there and a diminished number of companies. And I went one day, and I had a very good time. Seth, so are, you going to eat, are you going fun. to PAX East this year? Yeah, yes, Seth and I are teaming I up. So yep. do you know if Nintendo's got a booth there? No, I don't think there's no idea. Do. Oh, 
that's a bummer. I, I was kind of wondering because they did a really lovely Animal Crossing New Horizons booth at PAX East 2020, which was right before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And it was a fantastic booth and I had a great time. And yep. I was sort of hoping for your sakes that maybe because they, they, like we won't get a big Tears of the Kingdom booth like we got that big Breath of the Wild booth. And so maybe you would get a Tears of the Kingdom booth at, at PAX. Remember, Gamescom was the same way. Gamescom did not yep. have a Nintendo booth either. So it, it's, it's definitely companies saving their dollars. And yeah. we'll yeah. see how long that that austerity lasts. Yep, it's well, next earnings seasons. We're going to hear a lot of uh, unforeseen negative economic headwinds mm-hmm. talk uh, <laughs> during the earnings. No, but uh, speaking of rumors, there's a rumor about a Nintendo Direct, and I feel like there always is. So rest assured, as soon as we wrap today's episode, Nintendo will officially announce it. But uh, what are these rumors? Uh, Cat, did have you broken any stories about these rumors? Uh, no scoops yet, but damn, the preponderance of evidence suggests that there will be a Nintendo Direct announced next week. Um, there's already been a fair number of leaks. One of the big ones that has been circulating around uh, Reddit is that Advance Wars is going to be coming out possibly <gasps> as soon as February. Um, Whoa, what? It is February. Yep, it's February, <laughs> folks. Ja- I mean, January did last ten years, so that, I can I understand it's the longest true. January in history. <laughs> that game's been sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Putin, stop. But February is traditionally when Nintendo hosts a Nintendo Direct because it wants to set the agenda for the rest of the year. And obviously, they have a little game to promote called Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. I've heard of it. There's a fair amount of DLC that we can probably expect to be hearing about. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is one. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I would not be surprised Fire if they laid two. out the expansion pass stuff uh, for that one. Um, obviously, I already mentioned Advance Wars, so that's just off the top of my head. But there's plenty, plenty to show. It's time. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So there's going to be something yeah. next week. We'll see. Yeah, might get a first look it's... at Pikmin. Maybe uh, Pikmin Four. Yeah. Uh, we could also. I love bringing this up on the show because I think it's hilarious. I that report last year about everybody's one-two switch. I keep hoping that they'll finally decide to <laughs> actually release that somewhere. I just, I just want to know because it was supposedly like more of a game show format, and they had a host, and the host's name was Horse, and it was just like a guy <laughs> with a horse head, what? and I just. I really want to see that. I just want to know what that looks like. So it's just Bojack Horseman? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I read the report, uh, but I have not, I've not I, seen it myself. It made it work, I guess. I want it. I, I believe that report. I'm I'm kind of wondering if they'll just can that game entirely and we'll never see no. it. But I really horse host. I want this horse. <laughs> You'd be yes. surprised the number of games that you would probably really want to play that do actually get finished and then you never see it or that, hear about it. Nobody ever lots. announces it. Just yeah. Go, yeah. goes into a vault. I mean, the, remember, in, the internal feedback was apparently bad enough on that that I wouldn't be shocked yeah. if we just never saw remember it. Remember Ubisoft's announcement of canceling five unannounced games. Yeah. You know, one of them obviously was announced as a codename project, was Project Q or something. Mm. But, like, there are games being canceled all the time, and you don't hear about it at all unless there's some sort of data leak or something. Last last year, Reb uh, broke the news about that Plants vs. Zombies game. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that adventure game. That was a great story. It was mostly a pitch, right? It wasn't fully a game. It was more of a tech demo. No, Well, they had, like, I, I saw in the process of reporting that I saw, like, not quite half an hour, but like like twenty minutes of of gameplay footage of that game being played. Like a, like a full mm. level was. I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like fully polished, ready to go or anything. But I mean, they were 
they were decently far along. Like it was, it was playable. It was going well. They didn't have all the levels done, but like it was, it was, it was going all right. Yep. As usual, the it was canceled um, for Star Wars. As usual, there will be all of the usual rumors about like Metroid and oh yeah, but not. Um, <sighs> what do you yeah, think, Pear? Metroid Prime Elite Four. Beat? I don't think that's this year. I think. I mean, is, I'm is hoping Red that showing we... us Elite Beat. Is that what that is? I, yeah, it's Elite Beat yes. agents. The time is ready for them to say yes. We're still working on it, giving us a life sign because it's been way too long. And you know, like I think Nintendo own, owes gamers an answer as to what the hell is going on. And it sounds like Retro is obviously working on it, and we'll get something nice when it's done. But like, I don't. I have a hard time believing it's going to ship this year. Just kind of. No. You know, but and, and especially if Pikmin is latter half of the year, I think Pikmin is going to be what Nintendo is going to focus on more. That's a Miyamoto sure. game. And, you know, I wouldn't be wonderful. shocked if we had one of those like very polite Nintendo statements where one of the spokespeople comes out and says, hello, we know you've mm-hmm. all been waiting for news about Metroid Prime 4. We're sorry to say the game is not ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little bit to show you. And then they show us like some art or yeah. some stills or like a very short trailer. And they say, you know, please be patient with us. Uh, we will have more to share next year or something. Yeah. And then yeah. leave it at that. I wouldn't be shocked if we got that. There are also all of the rumors about the uh, supposed Metroid Prime remake. Mm-hmm. Um, the that Legend. thing that is supposedly done and sitting supposedly on a shelf somewhere. But there was also we also when we did our kind of look forward episode, we talked about aspirations, what we would love to see this year, and we all agreed, hey, it's the year of a Mario movie and a Mario, Mario. theme park, so they'll probably have some Mario game and like. It doesn't sound like what we're hearing now. It does not. But they're not going to be at E3, like and they're not showing a Mario. I mean, yeah. I would not be shocked if they, like in 2020, 2019, had plans to make a big Mario, like an Odyssey follow-up or something, and time it with this Mario movie that they definitely knew they were going to have mm-hmm. at this time, and then the pandemic just completely demolished it, it, and now they're not ready to announce it. I would it. almost mm-hmm. guarantee, Rev, that. The Mario team has been working on something behind the scenes that we do not know about for quite a while yeah. now, and Nintendo is just not ready to show it. Yep. Yeah, yeah there it is. Mario, Mario Paint. Oh my god, Mario Paint too. Let's Thank just pull in all the deep cuts <laughs> yeah, today. Right. We're seeing the B-roll for Mario Paint. That's why we're all reacting oh right now. Oh my gosh. Um, also, stoked. not to bring this up again, but maybe that Baton Kaitos rumor is true. I would love that. Oh, Reb, I want that for you <laughs> Thank so you. much. Yes. I got you my. Know. I mean, it was a little bit of a poison chalice. I got Valkyrie. My I got my Valkyrie profile sequel last year and it was <laughs> devil may cry for some reason but uh, if i, I ever, if, are... ever, if we get batten kaitos yeah. or golden sun ever you will hear me screaming Ooh, from golden miles sun. away there are hundreds there. of millions of gamers clamoring for these games to I, sorry, did I say millions? millions. Hundreds of millions there are hundreds. of people love Battle <laughs> Okay, there are hundred people who are clamoring for there the return of both of these franchises. <laughs> there may be ten whole people outside these including these two who are looking forward to these i remember do you remember the mario the, the mario 3 commercial with all the people going mario mario, mario. and mario. then it pulls out and you see the mario face on the planet it'll be yep. like that it'll but with like that, that. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah, people will go like what is that face is that a card <laughs> yeah oh everyone man. makes fun of me oh, there but it is. i have oh, taste. It's a classic Red i, I with do you oh, guys do, does anyone Reb, you were probably too young. Do you remember when you had to stand there and do that to make that commercial? <laughs> How old Every do you American think I am? Every American Canadian yes. had to get together to stand. Uh, I was in that, that commercial. That was a... I was uh, I was over near the hat. So Nintendo <laughs> didn't have to even show gameplay. That's how big and known Mario 3 was That's at right. the time. It's like, Mario 3, it's here. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Wario makes this joke every time 
Wario 64 makes the joke every time like the wizard is on sale. He calls it the first Nintendo or the Super Mario 3 Nintendo Direct on sale on <laughs> That's Blu-ray funny. for $9.99. I saw that in the theater with my friends and we uh, were hyped. On that note, very... do video games still have commercials like in the traditional sense? On TV? Yes. On TV? Am I missing something? They do. It's a lot of mobile games. Yeah. Uh, okay. I a only lot know of mobile this games be- that don't exist. I only know yeah. this because I went home for Christmas. <laughs> okay. And they're like... Like I think there were Call of Duty commercials. Yeah. Um, and there's yes, like commercials for mobile games. You know what? I see them every time I go to like a, a sports bar type establishment. Mm-hmm. You'll see like ESPN playing, and you'll see a game commercial on that. So oh, yes. yeah, they remember, still exist, and they still run on IGN and YouTube. Obviously, I just yeah. I remember Mario like Super Mario World commercials extremely well. Yeah. Um, I remember the guy walking up to the theater screen and then slamming a con- cartridge into the Super Nintendo, and now he's playing yeah. Super Mario World and F Zero, and his hair is like flying back. That was yeah. Paul Rudd. <laughs> was oh that Paul God, Rudd? Really? That was Paul Rudd. Get out! I have a very oh, fuzzy memory of a World of Warcraft burning crusade commercial with like some famous guy <laughs> yelling. Oh my God! About it's being a hard. night elf and having a mohawk. <laughs> what somebody somebody in the comments will know commercial? what this is okay yeah they always do and then they'll link to it now you're playing with power super power yeah oh remember uh the was it was it mario party where they were doing the uh <coughs> me and you and you and me no matter how they tossed yes. the dice song and they had like the the mario mascots and they had the giant dice and they were like fighting each other yeah. and they I started that beating was smash brothers the was og smash, smash brothers no no no, 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 no. that or was it mario I, party i it might have been smash brothers no. you, might, you might be right smash 64 well, that's Mario Party. I don't know yeah. if that's a commercial. I don't, I don't remember. It was one of the. It was one of the games. There it is. Yep. <laughs> oh, kidding. I don't know that that's the one I was thinking of, but they definitely <laughs> use those those mascots. It, they're like they're like it's the so happy together song. So they're like running down the uh, hill together into the grass. I don't know. I, but, yes. But the best Nintendo commercial was definitely the Zelda dancing commercial. The Japanese. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. Just oh, gonna say. That was so cool. So good. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, my goal is to learn all the moves of that dance so that I can perform it live next time we're in studio together. So here for that, that. When E3 returns, we'll yeah. go into the Xbox and this, we'll be doing this. This is canonically confirms that Link is a girl. Seth is going to be dressed up in the, the Link costume. Yep. Yeah. My yep. favorite is his uh, uncle behind him with a mustache. That's the best guy. Anyway, <laughs> if you if you have never watched the Japanese uh, Link to the Past commercial, <laughs> absolutely go watch it. It's so good. And Gotta there's say, a German language version as well. Oh man! And yeah, uh, my favorite yeah. iteration of Link right there should have been in Smash Brothers. Heck yeah! I, I, yeah. I love Brunette Zelda too. It's so cute. <laughs> it's a secretly gay it's Zelda commercial. Gaming. It's wonderful. Yeah. This is beautiful uh, stuff right here. So <laughs> Somebody had so much fun making this. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Now it's time for the Miiverse. Where we talk about sort of things that are going on, games that we're playing or fun that we're having. Um, I'm just going to take charge of this right now because i'm so excited because mm-hmm. i won an online auction shop goodwill <gasps> oh boy um what you got uh i didn't expect to win it i woke up this morning and it's like congratulations you have won the uh majora's mask toys r us exclusive preview vhs wow. with a banjo tui sneak peek included <laughs> wow. wow sealed what? It is a sealed copy wow. of the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask hot video preview and exclusive Toys R Us offer. And uh, I am pretty stoked on that because uh, 
shop goodwill i really love just surfing but as far as trying to find things for their market value a lot of times you don't because the shipping is outrageous mm -hmm. but this one i got for a lot less than market value. i was gonna ask do, do we dare to ask how much it was uh i it was a i won the auction for i think 48 dollars. oh wow okay, okay. Yeah. that's great wow. so are you going On. to un and there it seal is. it i did not know it, it was sealed. or are you going to leave it sealed Ooh, I don't know because I originally I searched for VHS you can watch it on YouTube. all the time, and uh, yeah, that's also true. But <laughs> um, it's not the same. The sealed copies that I saw when I sorted by sold were going for like a hundred and thirty dollars. Mm. So I'm probably not going. Also, did you know VHS grading is a thing now? Oh, oh it. absolutely. Yes. Yep. I mean, they're going to be in VHS bad shape otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, they die. Like they yeah. actually like erase and yeah everything. no i have i have a tape and it sucks because it's my great grandfather giving a like a historical society speech and it's got mold on it because it actually wow. vhs that's disgusting gross mold oh, so i don't know man. if i can watch it and it's, it's oh kind boy of a, it's all of my but, disney movies in my parents basement are probably in trouble oh aren't they? yeah they not all those vhs tapes are. are good uh seth this yes. year is the 30th anniversary of Star Fox, and I promise this is related. And <laughs> mm -hmm. one of my favorite things ever was the promotional tape for Star Fox 64, in which a Sony and Sega representative kidnap some kind of Nintendo agent and basically uh, torture him for information <laughs> on Star Fox 64 and the Rumble Pack. Oh my God. And it is really something else. Yes, this is what, the it this is. is it right here. And so we get a lot of like gameplay clips about Star Fox 64. We learn about how oh. amazing. Oh no, they're tormenting <laughs> what Mario. What did they do to Mario? <laughs> they're putting oh him in his, this is like in Goodfellas. No, Mario. <laughs> you made me poke out your eye to save Star Fox. This is Sony in a Sega shirt. <laughs> this is incredible. You know, it's one of the Red greatest things ever. I watched it at today. the time. Uh, they were sending it out to Nintendo Power subscribers. And wow. um, at the end, of course, the Sega and Sony uh, representatives, they learn to love Star Fox 64. Of course. Of course yes. And everybody's very excited about it. So they should. Wow. It's a wonderful yeah. little wow. They would never do this in 2023. You cannot hurt Mario like this. No. Play it loud. Sega started it, I think the Nintendo people will say. Oh, you know, my like, gosh. Sega. Like Sega looked cool by being so aggressive and like you know uppity, the and then Nintendo was... countered. Yeah, we started off with uh, yeah. you know Sega Genesis <laughs> does what Nintendo. That's how we started mm -hmm. the decade, yeah. and the end of the decade was Woodstock '99. That's so right. So it kind of went, it kind of got out of hand. Were, there. Weren't yeah, there commercials at some point market. of a guy in the Crash Bandicoot mascot suit standing outside yeah, of Nintendo headquarters and yeah. like yelling, yelling at Nintendo? <laughs> those are great. Those are very good commercials. Yep. Even though I think that the crash bandicoot games are garbage. oh minor segue minor segue but because i didn't get to share my favorite e3 memory it is in fact uh e3 20 i think it was 2017 uh there was a guy in the crash bandicoot suit uh who was trying to get into the who's at the crash bandicoot booth which was outside of the metal detectors and the suited guy was trying to go into the hall but security wouldn't let him through because he wouldn't fit through the metal detector so they couldn't check and make sure he didn't have metal uh so he stood outside of the metal detectors with a megaphone and was yelling into the hall and i just walked past him yelling i don't know what just into the hall through the metal detectors and the security guards were staying they're not sure what to do uh incredible moment uncharted 4 is the best crash bandicoot game <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
now that we've talked about VHS tapes, I want to know what is your Meverse goings on this week, Cat? What is happening in the Cataverse? Well, in the Cataverse, I'm getting on an airplane on Saturday and flying to Pennsylvania, mm. and I've had to make a hard decision about whether or not I was going to bring my Switch and Steam, or if I was going to bring my Steam Deck. And I'm sorry to say, my Nintendo Switch will be staying home. And my Steam Deck will be coming with me because wow. I'm playing uh, Crisis Core Remastered at the moment. Okay. And okay. wow, that game is all over the place in terms of visuals. Really? It can be really gorgeous at times, uh, especially during the actual combat and everything. And then there are the times where the character models look almost sub-PSP. It's pretty Ooh. remarkable. Really? It's really fun game. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Like... Not enough where I'm like, this is my game of the year. This is like so amazing. What a great add to Final Fantasy VII because it is a deeply, deeply silly story. It is firmly in that post Final Fantasy VII compilation of Final Fantasy VII. By the way, um, I've heard people say that we don't have RPG people on Nintendo staff. I I, I cover RPGs. It's like a thing. It's my thing. But um, my favorite you have genre. A podcast about RPGs. I have podcasts like, about mm. RPGs. Yeah, that you've been doing for like a long time. <laughs> uh, since at least 2009. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been playing Crisis Core. Uh, really enjoying it. And so that's going to be the game that comes with me. And I'm also going to be playing Persona 5 Royal. And I want to play A Space for the Unbound. And mm. I'm kind of hoping. It's on PCs. I, I it think is. it must. It is. It is? Yeah, okay. It is. Uh, I'm going to get that on my Steam Deck as well. So I should be pretty well set, I think, aside from the fact that I'm going to be flying across the country. So um, my Steam Deck might not last that long, but that's okay because I can watch a movie that's... or something on my flight too. Okay. Bring a break. I was going to say, having traveled with both, I will go probably <laughs> switch from now on just because the Steam Deck is a little too bulky. It and is. I can, and the Switch, I can just fit into like my sling. Yeah. And then they, uh, yeah. I will say that I prefer the form factor of the Switch by a big factor. Like, I, if, when I'm playing on the Switch, it also has a better screen, too, because I have the OLED and everything. Mm. Um, I would be playing Fire Emblem Engage on that one, but I like Fire Emblem Engage, but I need to go down to normal so that the maps don't feel quite as much like a grind, a grind, because they're very kind of slow and time consuming and that kind of thing. And I'm just. More in an action mood at the moment, yeah. I guess you could say. I was also playing Hi-Fi Rush last night. And that is fan-frickin-tastic. Why is it so polished? It's like, beautiful. It's like, it's like Persona in that the, the menus and everything about the game feels like yeah. they had so much time to finish and polish it. Somebody said that it reminded them of an early 2000s GameCube game because it really has that. Yeah. I, I mean, vibes. first of all, it has the cell shading. It feels like a throwback to Beautiful Joe in yeah. particular, mm. which, of course, Shinji Mikami and all of them like have direct links to the Platinum kind of era right mm -hmm. and that was from when beautiful joe was so i i feel like this is just a a wonderful throwback even though it's not on a a nintendo platform that kind of thing i, I yeah. absolutely could see this as a game that would come out on uh the the gamecube circa 2004 <laughs> they wouldn't have the tech yeah. to do this rhythm stuff then though mm -hmm. oh absolutely this is apparently not. very very difficult to no do. And, the vibe it's the vibe but yeah the, the aesthetic yeah and yeah. and the vibe great yeah. aesthetic you're you're absolutely Rip. right What's going on in your Miiverse this week? Um, I just finished a very cool little indie game called Recall. That's R-E colon 
Call C A L L. It is. It is on Switch. It is on. I, I was playing it on Game Pass. It's on. It's on various other platforms. It came out in January, uh, and it is this really interesting premise. You play as this kind of like weird entity ghost thing. Uh, there's you, you end up hanging out with. There, there is a main character that you hang out with for most of the game, but you you can kind of jump to other characters too. Uh, and when, whoever you are with gains the ability to when they are recounting the way an event happened. So like recounting their memory of an event, whatever they recount is what ends up really happening. So to kind of explain how this works, the opening sequence is you are this guy named Javier who has been caught trying to break into this villain, villain's lair, the villain's name, the toy maker, the toy maker is interrogating you. How did you get in here? And you are sort of going through step by step. Well, I was outside your fortress and there, and you have the option. There's a green guard guarding the door. There's a blue guard guarding the door, or there was no one guarding the door and you pick which one and and whichever one it is suddenly becomes true. And then you can say, oh, I found a rock on the ground or I found a gun on the ground. And there's like there's like a green guard in the room with you. And so you can pick up the gun and then shoot the green guard. And if you do that, the green guard in the room with you is suddenly dead because you shot him earlier. Like he's not there. But then you're, you're basically trying to puzzle your way through which, which sequence oh, of recalled events will get you to a situation where you can escape this this situation where you're in where you're trying to escape the toy maker so you're trying to figure out okay well if the guard is dead then you know i you know maybe have an avenue to get out of the room later or maybe i steal the gun and keep it because then if i steal the gun i have a gun on my person now and maybe i can use that to fight and so you're basically trying to like work your way through this memory that that's just the opening sequence it's a really good tutorial for kind of how the the mechanic works you end up kind of in this this very strange like like sci-fi almost like spy thriller kind of story uh, with this kid named Bruno who, who's got, who now has the power of this ghost and is just trying to navigate uh, how it ends up uh, affecting his life. And, and it ends up, it ends up going like kind of a little bit deep at one point on, okay. you know, like the impacts of bullying and loving yourself. Uh, but also I just oh, think nice. the mechanic is really cool and a lot of the artwork is really neat. So yeah, I, I really liked recall. It's, it was short. It didn't take me too long to finish uh, a couple me, hours. Okay. Makes me think of a cartoon network game that would come out on GBA. Yeah. It does have those vibes. It has kind of that, yeah. like that little like, like Sprite kind of yeah. like little characters walking around. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very puzzle oriented and it's, it's yeah, it was cool. I, I was very surprised by it. Pleasantly nice. surprised. All right. Uh, Hair, have you been keeping busy? I have video been. gaming. I have been. My wife's on a business trip. She's not back until next week, and so you know, my evenings usually are hanging out with her. And and right now, since she's gone, I'm I'm playing a lot more games and watching shows and movies that she would absolutely hate, of course. <laughs> um, and so yes. I've been playing Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, I've been playing Dead Space. Uh, you know, I I Ooh. got I. I wanted to play all sorts of other games, and then I booted up Vampire Survivors like an idiot. And oh, then no, it's no. like six oh, hours later, yeah, and I'm like, I'm yeah. just, I, what am I doing? I can't wait for that to come to Switch. Um, That's but, another game Switch that game. big reason to bring Steam Deck. Anyway, go ahead. That's a good Steam yeah. Deck game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I hope people will get to experience it more, you know, our listeners here when it comes to Switch, eventually, inevitably. Um, but I've taken Reb's advice and tried out uh, an indie game on Switch, uh, A Little to the Left. Thank you yeah. for the recommendation. Totally my jam. A uh, little to the left is basically your, you know, your uh, Mary Condo whatever uh, organization yeah. game where it's like you got a bookshelf with all the books out of order and you got to put them in order and then you finish the level and it goes, ah, uh-uh, there's one more way 
to organize this and then you do it again and mm-hmm. um my my son also totally got got pulled into this game and like took over the controller and and like before i knew it he he just finished the entire game on his own but really lovely creative clever little uh, indie game where you kind of you you start to make connections and it has a very evil cat in it Oh, we love the cat. We love the fluffy All cat cats messing are everything technically up. A little evil. However, most of my time is, of course, spent on a little game called Fire Emblem Engage. Never heard of it. So you're um, taking it. I'm liking it a lot. I mean, yeah, all the all the kind of like the negative stuff people are saying is true. There, there are issues with the writing sometimes. It's a little cheesy. It's very anime right like the 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 evil people look like they shopped at victoria secret in 1999 <laughs> I, um, you know, I don't understand these criticisms what do people expect from a game with cartoon people no and like, and all of that it's like i w- i'm expecting it right like that is that is fire emblem but all the talk about it being a return to classic fire emblem and and shedding all the overworld kind of like the hub world stuff I was expecting there not to be anything, but there's lots. There's still a lot to do um, outside of the core battles, whether it's fishing or you know having lunches and observing the uh, you know like this the sort of uh, conversations between the different characters, Collecting finding stuff. Newer. I like you adopting animals. I, by the way, I love how like when you first start, it's like you you get into like um, these rather boring post battle um, areas that you can explore. There's really not much to do, to do there. You you don't even have to talk to all the characters because you get the uh, you get your crystals anyway if you just exit out but there um you can adopt animals and you can walk up to like uh you know like a cat that's like oh yeah now you adopted the cat and then you go to like the dog is like now you got the dog you go to the chicken it's like not the chicken you're not ready for the chicken buster <laughs> like in the beginning uh you know you obviously have to be more experienced to own a chicken over a cat or yes. a cow or a sheep i mean it's true chickens are bastards that's right uh, many, uh, yeah. many of them are. Um, no, but I, I'm love. I'm loving the game. I, uh, you know, I I grew up with Fire Emblem games, and you know, I've played the, pretty much every game except for the Satellaview release uh, in in the series. And it is a return to a little bit more focus on the turn-based battles. It has this sort of. You know, like all the things you'd expect where like you see a, an evil character introduced and you're like, oh, that that person's going to join my team eventually, <laughs> right? Like it, it's like once when you've played these games, it signals a lot of that stuff. And so it's a little light on innovation and surprises. And that is one my one hang up on it. Like I'm, if I had to judge it right now after like 15 hours or something, I'd say, you know, it's an eight for me. It's in the eight range. It's a great game. It's very creative. Some of the... Some of the cutscenes are just gorgeous, and you know, like, very uh, and I and I do like the character designs and all of that, and and the different character archetypes. Uh, Anna is annoying, but other than that, it's um, <laughs> no, it's a. You don't like Anna? It's a wonderful yes. Um, okay. It's a wonderful game. I'm I'm digging it, um, and you know, people ask like, is this a good Fire Emblem game to start with? I would say yes. Um, yeah. All of the hub stuff is kind of skippable. There are deeper systems about creating rings and fusing them and all of that that you can engage in that, that is engage. smart to do. Um, and like you can do fishing and adopting cats and all of that. Are you still trying to sell me on this? I still think Three Houses is the one to start with. Um, look, I look. the thing is, I looked over at my partner playing the other day yeah. and he was, there was two characters and they were having a conversation mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but it was something <laughs> like, I'm... Diamante and I kill my enemies with a big axe. That's right, he does. And the other one was like, 
nice to meet you. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> well, was, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that was basically the gist of what it, it was. And I'm like, great. I don't need to worry about this. Like once in a while, you'll have a convo between characters where honestly, it should end with a Street Fighter voice going, Japan. <laughs> because it's so, it's like, you can tell it's like, it feels a little awkward, even with the localization team trying to adapt it. But there are lots of like clever little conversations between characters. And like, they, they do... In Fire Emblem games always make you really care for your characters. I play it with with permadeath, and so like there's um, th- there's this sort of connection where I get to this point where once you can once you have more characters than you can put in the battlefield, like I'm kind of heartbroken. Like I want to bring them all, and yet yes. I have to leave some behind, and so it forces you to develop like a more uh, a closer relationship to your favorites and then so the conversations between the characters matter more because you're focusing in on a group i'm yeah, busy not all of those are great um you don't you, I'll, you I'm know, busy. I'll play it for both of us but it's i'm uh, playing chain echoes i'm busy a lot of great games out there it's a lovely game it looks yeah. gorgeous, especially in handheld mode on the yes. on the small screen. Really it's does. it's very smart how you know how the <laughs> scenes are constructed and, and and you know how they kind of maintain uh, that high fidelity look. It's a it's a lovely game. At some point, I'm going to go through a Fire Emblem and do a proper hardcore mode run, where Ooh. I just I just don't restart if I lose a character. Oh, I don't know. Godspeed. I, I gotta, like, well, look, I cheated. I did the rewind Many, many years ago, the creator yeah. of Fire Emblem, who's no longer with Intelligent Systems, had a conversation with Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy. And he said, don't worry about permadeath. It's part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's a twist in the story that they die. Just keep going. I know it's a it's a it's a clever idea, and it is a it is a way to play through that game. I just don't want to do it on of the course. first run because I'm worried I'm going to miss something cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, know I was uh I was talking to friend of the show Logan Plant last night mm-hmm. actually on his show, and he is playing. I think he said in hard with permadeath. Yep turned on and he said he was in like one of the later missions because he was like obsessed with it and he's he was like actually extraordinarily stressed out that he was going to lose a character like more than he's ever been no thanks i've got permadeath turned off and i'm playing on normal and i will rewind as much as it takes for me no, to win. I normal is it. a little uh, for the normal is a little easy I started it on on normal because I was like Call me I got casual. a little frustrated last time with with hard mode. There were a couple of missions that were just ridiculously hard, and like so I started on normal, and it's just it's too easy. Like the the it's still not as balanced as I would love for it to be. There's almost no penalty for like exposing your your characters. So in the, even in hard mode, you can brute force missions. through it, yeah. which is kind of what I've been doing. I've been losing characters yeah. in hard mode, but I'm like uh oh, well, they'll be back next because I'm playing on casual, like a casual. and <laughs> But then it takes away a little bit of the the, press, the stress and the pressure around actually playing through the maps because it just yeah. feels like a matter of time before I actually get through it. One thing, I mean, on hard mode, it does become a little bit more of a game of luring characters, right? Like, let's say you have a armored knight who's strong against, like, weapons, and you have somebody with high resistance who's strong against magic attacks, and you use these characters kind of, like, uh, as, as walls to lure the enemies closer, and then you pick them off with more characters. So, like, hard mode kind of brings out that sort of strategy more, but it can become very rote, too, yeah. right? Mm. Where you constantly use the same characters to bait the enemy but to the, come closer. The placement's a little devious because there's one map relatively early on where you have to break through a door mm-hmm. and there is an enemy there waiting with a rider's bane 
uh, attack, like a killer weapon that mm-hmm. will like murder one of your knights, and yeah. they can reach you if you're not careful. So you have to be very precise with your positioning. Yeah. It can be it can be quite mean. And if this is anything like other Fire Emblem <laughs> games, they'll have start having reinforcements coming in behind your characters. Uh, to take you off guard and like start murdering people it can be a little mean in that so we've had a lot of turn-based strategy games obviously come out and i do think fire emblem you know the success in the west influenced this right we got even one based on dark crystal right we've got uh, tactics ogre came back we've got you know obviously octopath traveler 2 is is about to come out too so we're, we're seeing more and more of these strategy games now become come out and and find an audience but i will say the fire emblem ui is unbeatable it is just the best like they now they have two movement types you can freely move your characters which is the default which is really nicely done but if you're purist you can switch to the arrow mode where you know it's it's a little bit more digital and a, a, a little bit more like the classic games the way like you can you can jump super quick to the characters with the shoulder buttons like they've always done you can select any characters see the range it gives you probabilities on the attacks like it's just i mean like it's just so well tweaked and tuned at this point it's just a wonderful game i agree it's a very good game i agree and that kind of brings me because it's a very long game as well Mm -hmm. which brings me to question block we have a question from uh steve schneider who asks this is we're almost out of time but he wants to know recommendations for games under 10 hours dad life has zapped my free time well uh steve i have bad news that free time is never coming back (laughs) not for many many years but i'm curious uh as to anyone's recommendations for games under 10 hours actually reb the you said recall recalls under uh, definitely under 10 yeah okay i can't i can't recall exactly how long but a little a little to the left is too right yeah yeah absolutely they were um we have a if you go to uh ign.com slash playlist we um I'll, i'll slot it for you um we have a list on um Games you can beat in a weekend. I'm trying to remember yeah. what it's called. Um, a short hike. Another recommendation. A short hike is awesome. That is yes. that is indeed yeah, a short hike. Yeah. Star Fox 64 can be finished in one sitting. Mm. All right. Is Pikmin there three under ten hours? I feel like my partner beat it a Ooh, couple weekends ago, and he beat it very quickly. Not you can quite, beat it very quickly. Yeah. I think if you I think if you requires. just beeline the objectives, you can probably beat that in under ten. You might want to play more of All that. Right, Where's the fun in that? So if you yeah, if what look if got? you had given Even us a, head, a heads up, Hi-Fi Rush by the way is uh, is under ten hours Why is too. Vampire Survivors on there. You should Vampire play that for a hundred hours. Yeah, yeah. Infinite Survivors infinite game beat very quickly because every session there's like thirty minutes, but it is way too long. Uh, Tiny Kitten is another good one. Yeah, Brian, yeah, yeah. very good one. one. Uh, Immortality. Immortality is more than ten. Um, Brick, well, not according to IGN's How Long to Beat, which says... Interesting, okay. uh, Well, Stray is on the rival platform. Uh, Shovel Knight Dig. uh, There you go. Shredder's Revenge. Cart Shark, which I really like. Um, You should play that. Unpacking. Unpacking Unpacking is a good one on Switch. Another good one. Uh, What is this? It's showing Katana. this playlist? It's showing Katana Zero right now. That's another one that's good. good. Far Changing Tides on Switch is also lovely. Um... The original Shovel Knight is it's, a great shout, by it's the way. Called, Fantastic. Yeah. It's called Beat in a, in a Weekend. I'll slot it on IGN.com slash playlist for you. You can find it there easily. Some of awesome. the ones on there are probably approaching 10 hours or around the 10-hour mark, so maybe definitely check, like, how long to beat I'll if you're, check if you're really sure insisting. But, but, like, in yep. a weekend. I mean, it's it's roughly in the somebody, spirit of what you're... Somebody yeah. asked me about that. relatively short RPGs as well, and I was like, well, Chrono Trigger can be knocked out another 20 hours if probably you... Like yep. Moon and things like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Fantasy Star Sega Ages. Also... 
Final Fantasy VII longer. is surprisingly mm. short for an RPG. Also true. Moon's for, probably for closer to twenty. Undertale. Yeah. Undertale is about Undertale. ten. Yeah. If you and do, if you do, if you try to do like the full, like the true pacifist, the ending everyone likes, it's probably yeah. about ten. Yep. There you go. Okay. Those are great suggestions, and we are also out of time. So. Thank you all for uh, listening to us talk about E3 at length, which I would love to keep talking about how sad I am because it's gone forever. But before we go, I have a few favors to ask. If you're watching us on YouTube, please leave us a like and a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. It helps us spread the good NVC word. You'll be forever in your debt. Uh, Thanks to Red for always being on point with the ones and twos. Uh, Most of all, thank you to you for hanging out with us because remember nbc is the only podcast where you can get the the thing. thing hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.